cosmos out of chaos. These airplanes, I don't know if we're supposed to stop when they come by, but... We'll just kind of roll with it. Take a breath. Take a breath, consciously. Yeah. You were just a burning man, right? I was. How was that? It was incredible. Yeah. I feel like I finally figured out how to do it. (laughs) And what does that mean? There's different layers to Burning Man, almost like you can access different dimensional realities. And depending on your own frequency, you Mm -hmm. actually unlock different aspects of Burning Man. And uh, I think I was able to kind of unlock a new frequency that allowed me to just explore the real wonder of what's possible there. Wow. Whereas you're always going to have a great party and you're always going to get some things no matter what, but there's just levels there's mm-hmm. levels to the game and this was like a different this is a much different level wow how many burning mans have you been to this like, is my fourth this is your fourth now mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> that's really really cool yeah wow there's something really interesting that um that we saw on, on your instagram was about you talking in regards to the mind virus i thought that was mm-hmm. in terms of the burning man and how you feel like that's infiltrated the organization a little bit mm-hmm that really, I mean, connected to kind of how we feel a lot of organizations have been infiltrated. infiltrated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, the we fly into, you know, Burner Express, Burning Man Airport, which is just an airstrip in the middle of a sunny ass, you know, salt baked flat. Right. And they ha- it's an outdoor airport where they're just checking our bags we walk in and they're like you need to put on your mask i was like why is there a dust storm and they're like no for covid and i'm like what on the runway uh, yeah <laughs> like outside on the runway in the sun going into burning man where clearly you just share every drink you have <laughs> and you're partying with eighty thousand people and it was like what type of theater are we doing right now? Like, it it just feels like this strange placation and strange theater. And there's obviously, you know, tons of studies like the study done by John Hopkins. And I understand that there's some debate about that, but really these are very sound and solid economists looking at the data and meta-analyses in the aggregate showing no benefit or use from any of these lockdowns and mass procedures. But still, nonetheless, people are like, hanging on to this and burning man almost started up last year with mandatory vaccinations and everybody freaked out and was like what oh, the fuck are you doing i mean especially if an or you know an experience like that right? it doesn't bring people that are so yeah. so it's it's, it's interesting it's interesting <laughs> wow. to see that the the top-down organization was not exactly what you would expect or hope would be and i think that breeds you know I think that ultimately breeds trouble for the long-term viability of Burning Man unless that starts to change. Also, some interesting decisions were made where that seemed very political and seemed like, you know, kind of zero-sum, finite game, rivalrous conflict, territorial, you know, this art car, which was incredible, by the way, had a secret secret Daft Punk show, was like the star of the, the playa got shut down because they were playing too close to like the, the famous art cars and their music was too good or wow. I don't know what the fuck the thing was. And so they shut them down for the night of the burn. The last night they were not allowed to play music. What? It was just like, like, what are you like? What are, what is going on here? So 
Burning Man was simultaneously the most incredible experience. Huh. And, and I have nothing but the utmost gratitude for what it provided. But yeah. also I saw signs that were a little bit troubling as well. Yeah. This is the first Burning Man like since the pandemic. So it is. How many years off did it take? Two? Two years off. years off. Interesting. Wow. It's funny to see how things adapt and change as the organizations and people that run it change through that time too. Right. Mm -hmm. Because to even think that they would entertain in a way that someone might hear about it that they would have a mandatory vaccination like that it got that oh to yeah that it, point was a, it was a full false start they made a public mm -hmm. announcement oh wow and then, uh, it was an instagram i thought you meant like maybe it, like no, no. that was, it was like an the instagram word. post oh my god and people lost their shit you'd think I, that's just yeah. the last place well you'd that's imagine. exactly yeah exactly that's wow that's yeah. like you know, I, there's so many and so many things are changing and, and it's just like people are still not adapting to hmm. the, the understanding of the time. Like COVID still exists, still here, everybody. Like, for example, I was just in Green Bay. One of my best friends in the world is Aaron Rodgers, who's a quarterback for the Packers. Mm -hmm. And obviously he made, you know, a pretty public stand last year about right. not getting vaccinated. And he got all kinds of shit for it. And, you know, everybody was... Against them. And then fast forward one year in, you know, one of the football games, five of the players had COVID and were just playing because what? the NFL doesn't care anymore. Oh, my God. Right. Like it's not <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, this is just like a regular cold. And we're not going to, you know, and look, I, that doesn't disclaim all of the challenge and trauma that people experienced who had it. All of that's real. I'm not denying that. But it's just the way that people are looking at it right now is so different. Mm -hmm. And people aren't going like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Well, you especially know? I find that in the beginning, and I remember we were in that position when they were like COVID, right? You thought it would be some kind of like apocalypse is happening. Like you're seeing people in China dropping on the streets and like... You know, I have to say, at first I was scared too. I'm like, what the hell is, you know, coming our way? But then as things progress, and, and I mean, we've had COVID a few times now, you know. Yeah, it's, me too. It's like, it sucks for sure, but, it's, you know, it sucks to have any kind of illness. And, mm -hmm. you know, as long as you keep yourself healthy and, and do everything that's right, you know, you can get through it. And, but I feel like right now there is like, something that really that, that's why i feel so connected to those words that you said the mind virus because yeah. i truly feel like there's no longer a virus like we thought it was but the right. virus of the mind exists because there's so much fear that yeah. is still we come from canada Ugh. we're still wearing masks on the plane we're still like go in the airport put on your mask like there's so much fear in people right now there's still and, masks on the streets yeah we went yeah. on a hike before we left and people doing a nature hike yeah. on mm -hmm. their own or with their partner are wearing masks. And it's just like, it's and, it's, really and that may never change. And, with, yeah, that's and, the, and that's the sad part. Yeah. You know, it's like people moving farther and farther from their willingness to live because of their fear of dying. That's so well said. And I think that's interesting because it's not that I don't blame them for the state of fear that they're in, but it sure. makes, it breaks my heart. Like it affects sure. me because. And that's the proper approach, right? right? It's like compassion yeah. all around. Mm -hmm. Like it's yeah. sad either way. And I think that's what people, that's what people missed, you mm -hmm. know? And, and that was something that I noticed during the, the fever pitch of the pandemic is that yeah. everybody was feigning compassion, but really there was none. It was almost like, you're not wearing masks. Well, I hope you get COVID and die. There was, and it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? 
Like if you're, if the basis of your argument is compassion, you can't say that. No, exactly. You can't, you can't be feeling that nor can, you know, nor can you say it's all about, you know, freedom and supporting people's ability to live freely. But those fucking sheep over there, right. You know, like, totally. like you can't, you can't have either argument mm -hmm. without actually deeply compassionately connecting yeah. to the other side. And that's something that I think was very quickly lost in the tribalism that developed. And it's actually the shadow side of tribalism <laughs> that we really experienced. Yeah. No, we noticed that too. Um, in Canada, we had this, I don't know if you've seen it, we had like a truckers protest. Of course. Yeah. And <laughs> we were in Costa Rica at that time because that's where we mostly live. But, um, you know, we wanted to show support for our fellow Canadians in a way of just supporting the idea of mandating freedom because mm -hmm. like we're kind of like, we made this post on Instagram saying, look, we just want to come forward in, in a way of love and compassion for whatever side you pick vax on vax like we believe that every single person should have the right to choose what they want to do with their bodies and you know and so we kind of made like a supporting of this protest post and like you're saying the amount of hate that we received from like the online community and even like threats like we had people message us like i hope your baby gets covid and like all of these shit. terrible things for us literally just whoops <laughs> standing up and and saying let's all unite like everything that's happening in this world right now is trying to divide people but right? even, and, e even furthermore to yeah. that what was doubly sad of course like you're expecting the hate like you're expecting the negativity on the one side but we what really broke our hearts was seeing the people like you're saying on the other side with just as much visceral yeah. emotion coming mm -hmm. at those people mm -hmm. where it's like and then it's like you don't have to stand up for us and wish them dead either like that's right. there's no nobility to that like there's compassion that needs to be found on both sides to to find the commonality i find that is so absent in today's society that we are all on all sides of the coin just behaving in a way that we want to feel safe. Like we all mm -hmm. just want less fear and we want less, like less to feel like our lives are being influenced by others on one side. And on the other, it's like, they're afraid because if that person doesn't get vaxxed, that's going to hurt them. So we're just choosing different strategies. Mm -hmm. And if we can only like, and, and, and that I think was what really truly broke my heart in that situation was mm -hmm. it just turned like the comment section of that post just turned into like a dumpster fire mm -hmm. on all sides. And you're just like looking at it and you're like, like how how do you find a way to bring the idea that everyone's coming for the same goal but like but they're not looking with any empathy or compassion to either side of that coin and it was just it was a real heartbreak yeah. i think that was a real heartbreak for us and i think at this point it's really made it clear that like we need to really focus like you're saying on love and compassion and unity and that's something beautiful that we see in, in what you're doing with everything you're doing with like fit mm -hmm. for service and, and even the fact that you have like these yoga studios we heard like by donation black swan like mm -hmm. that's that's amazing because you're truly giving that opportunity for people to walk in the door no matter what their financial um you know places in the world and and practice in self-love and compassion yeah i mean it's yeah. you know we're in, we're at a time between stories you know, and the, a lot of the old stories are dying and, you know, but they're, they're tenacious because there's a lot of people who are written into that story into positions of power. And if the story shifts, their power structure shifts. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to hold on to the stories of the past and new stories are need to be written. Yeah. And these stories are young and they're still fragile and they're still, 
you know, there's a lot of edits to the new story of the new <laughs> world that needs to be mm -hmm. needs to be written, but we're starting to try and write it. And, you know, I think that's, you know, what I've taken as my responsibility is to just pick up the pen through my own actions and through my own deeds and do my best to, to write the story. And sometimes it works out great and sometimes it doesn't, you know, I mean, we threw a 100% donation-based music festival wow. called Arcadia through Fit for Service. Um, and we, you know, we had an unbelievable festival, unbelievable experience. Everybody had just yeah. 10 out of 10 experiences across the board. And then we opened up donations and we recovered, you know, one quarter, less than a quarter of what we spent on the festival. So it was like, okay, well, you know, the world's not quite ready for the, that story yet, <laughs> you know, because, yeah. you know, I can't take half million dollar losses like this on, right. you know, yeah, of course. on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah. So we had to adjust the story and say, okay, you, there's going to be a donation up front, but you can get your, you can get your donation back at any time, mm -hmm. you know, like, so, but we have, we're adjusting and trying to figure out what's going to fit with the ethos for yoga. It's worked out where, you know, you donate, donate whatever you want to donate and it's still worked for the music festival didn't quite work out yeah. exactly that way but but it's still trying it's still like going out there trying to see what story will fit with the time mm -hmm. and uh and probably it's just you know a few years early for that kind mm -hmm. of gift donation model understanding of how we can change this very kind of strictly capitalistic dog eat dog rivalrous conflict kind of story um which needs to evolve because mm -hmm. eventually if the dogs keep eating the dogs we don't have enough dogs to fight for the sovereignty and health of our world hi i apologize for the interruption but i just wanted to quickly come on here and say that if you're enjoying this podcast right now it would mean the world to us if you could just simply click that subscribe or follow button whether that is on spotify apple or youtube or rumble wherever you're enjoying this episode today. By having your support, it really, really helps us rise to the top in the algorithm and truly helps us continue to do what we do with our beautiful team. So thank you so much. We hope you're enjoying this. Now back to the episode. That's really cool. It's all, it's interesting that it's it was a, such a success on one side and that the story didn't support. Mm -hmm. um, but I like how you said, like, it's just not time for that yet. Right. Um, because there is a, like to hear that is a 10 out of 10, like, you know, you had a beautiful festival and that you tried that. Yeah. I think that's like, that's super admirable because I think so many people would look at a model like that and just based on a narrative that we've all been told that you can't do that. Yeah. Like you can't do that's, oh, that's yeah. crazy. It is a little crazy, mm -hmm. but because only because you're trying something new. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's like, that's really cool. And, and, and it's really nice to hear that, like, even though you took a huge loss, like as you speak of it, you're still lit up. Totally. Like, that's fine. I don't awesome. regret it. I don't regret it no, at it's all. Like, that's like, I don't regret it at that's, all. That's really and fun. You've got cool. more light into the world too, right? Like totally. the energy that you're creating with just people coming together and celebrating and living and, and, and celebrating the idea of freedom, especially mm -hmm. after, like we were saying before, like, so, you know, two years, we've all kind of felt very oh. isolated and, and mm -hmm. that connection and compassion been a little bit shaken from each other. Oh, it's so sweet. I mean, it, yeah. we can't live without it. Yeah, that's the thing I was just watching, you know, Zach, Dr. Zach Bush is, you know, one of my favorite people on the planet. And I was just watching something from him and 
in his lab, they've shown that when they isolate cells, human cells, because a lot of these studies are done on cells that mm -hmm. are out, you know, isolated from the body. And in his observations, all cells that are isolated from the body, his language is that they are psychotic. Like they're in, a, in this panic state of not understanding what their mm -hmm. purpose is, why they're alive, where they are, what they're doing. They're, you know, they've been removed from the ecosystem, which is actually informing the intelligence mm -hmm. of what that cell is there to do. And so a lot of these, a lot of the research and even the scientific models based on isolating one aspect and looking at that is a big part of the problem. And that's what a lot of Western medicine does is isolate this one bacterium, this one virus, this one cell, this one person, rather than looking at everything collectively mm -hmm. how it all interacts with the entirety of the ecosystem and how our internal ecosystem interacts with the greater ecosystem and only in that larger holistic approach do we actually understand anything with any kind of sanity mm -hmm. and i think that's another one of the stories that needs to be rewritten yeah. whereas instead of this just let's isolate and reduce everything to its smallest part and study that thing we have to look at everything in totality and that's another thing that i think was missed in the pandemic it was like all right yeah. COVID is the only fucking problem let's lock everything down let's spend trillions of dollars so that we do lock things down let's mask everybody up despite the psychological implications despite what's happening to you know stress levels and how stress is the number one contributor to disease let's not look at anything let's just focus on this one thing and you know we're going to be paying for the consequences mm -hmm. of those actions of isolating and myopically looking at one thing for a long time, especially economically amongst yeah. many other things. Also yeah. people's, the fear, the mind virus yeah. that people were actually oh, the caught, you know, caught so deeply. So mm -hmm. that's just another, from a meta perspective, that's another story that needs to be written, rewritten. We have to look at ourselves in connection to all other beings. And that includes the beings that are on the other side of whatever fucking picket fence that we put up about right. our ideology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting too, because not only did we look at the one problem on the other side, then, you know, it was supposed to be called a, like a health problem like covid but the last thing that was looked at from a solutionary basis was talking about health right like there was one solution to one problem right but never was there a holistic like consideration for any other things that people could do to help themselves with immunity or help themselves when they actually get it to on how to like restructure themselves or rebuild their their vitality mm. it was just like no you go and you get this this jab and that's yeah. gonna, that's that is and everyone just wait for the jab mm -hmm. stay in your basement stay wherever you are locked in and it like it like a singular problem with met with a singular solution i think that like the and what we're seeing now and sort of where this, how you highlighted this to come out is like, it created the mind virus. Like mm. it created this, this way of people just like, interestingly enough, like you said, like a single cell, like going psychotic. Mm. And but like do you a, feel like people are slowly starting to realize that and wake up like in everything that you guys are doing? Like, have you noticed more people are coming to fit for service, you know, events and, and you know, the festival, like has the numbers started to increase? Mm. In your opinion? Well, there's definitely a yeah. shift in consciousness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, <laughs> to, no, perhaps no greater example of this is, you know, we're at the Green Bay Packers game in 
Wisconsin, mm-hmm. you know, deep Midwest. Yes. There's some fucking great people out there, you know, right. really like salt of the earth type of people. Their team, which is like their religion out there, like the Packers is yeah. their religion. They score a touchdown. <laughs> the wide receiver, <laughs> Lazard, his touchdown celebration was pouring ayahuasca to the other players in the, in the end zone. So it was the During Iowa- the game? Yeah, yeah. No, it was the ayahuasca touchdown celebration. They all drink the tea. And his, his post was, his post was that Lambeau tea just hits different. And everybody was drinking the ayahuasca and then they fall on yeah, the ground. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what did they do after? Yeah, they just fell on the ground and were like... like and everyone else is watching that? Yeah, yeah. It was like a whole touchdown celebration. <laughs> And and to to see that the oh Green Bay Packers are doing an ayahuasca touchdown celebration, you know culture is shifting. Wow! Right? In Wisconsin, right? Like culture is culture is shifting, and and that's just it's a kind of a funny example, but it's just one example of something that was not possible uh-huh. in the story that the collective world had a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Like things are happening in ways that. Uh, are really actually encouraging as well. So while we can focus on a lot of the negativity, there's yeah. also a lot of incredibly yeah. positive things that are happening. And I think we need to focus on that because yeah, it's sure. so easy to get like down that rabbit hole of like, you know, the fear and everything. But when you're looking at the other side and even for us, like, you know, we live in Nosara and the town that we live in, we've noticed since the pandemic, like it's been crazy. Like the boom that's happened with just expats and people moving yeah. to that location because people are are starting to wake up in their mind that they want to live a different way, mm-hmm. that they want to be more deeply reconnected with nature and surfing and yoga and just like living, a, living. living. Yeah, yeah, being feeling alive. And that's really beautiful to see like people making that conscious shift in their life and, and doing something difficult because I find that like to move your life to a different country, it's a lot especially of Costa Rica. You've been to Costa Rica before, yeah, right? Many times. Yeah, you, you know, where, where did you go in Costa Rica? We've been all over, really, yeah. you know, mostly on, um, what is it, the Papagayo Peninsula uh-huh. or whatever, yeah, yeah. mostly up and down there. Yeah, Guanacaste. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, been to Nosara, nice. on, on down to Santa Teresa. You know, our favorite um, favorite places were, um, uh, it escapes my mind, but it's this little kind of uh, European style village. That they, Montezuma? What? Montezuma? Montezuma? No, Montezuma is beautiful. That's the cloud forest. I've been there too. That's no, that's like down Santa, Santa Teresa. You know, like it's like right. Heidi next lives to... in Montezuma. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So yeah. it's right south of Santa, Santa, Santa Teresa. One street, yeah, no yeah. pharmacy. One street has the waterfall. Little hike to the waterfall. It's yeah. one of my favorite places yeah. too. And of course, Heidi comes from there. <laughs> like, yeah. It, it's so eclectic. I'll, I'll think of it if I remember. But yeah. it's it, you know, it's a really, it's a lovely place. Mm-hmm. It, but it it doesn't feel like it's the place. For me, like, I feel like I'm drawn to the fray, mm. right? Like, that's just my nature. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a, you know, I've always identified with the archetype of a warrior poet, right? Mm. And where does the warrior poet go? You know, it goes to the fray, like where, where he or she is needed. Yeah. And, um, and so while I have my escape in Sedona, where I have my 30 acres out in the middle wow. of nowhere and the that's horses beautiful. and love spending my time there and it's important like really for me i like i want to be in the fray like i want to i want to stay in the mix and and be accessible 
to you know feel what's going on yeah and that's important because you you are doing the work for as you say the fray like everything that you're doing not just you know all the like we mentioned earlier the fit for service in the yoga studios but also like your podcast itself mm -hmm. like it's it's so inspiring to see like for especially us. for us you know yeah. we're just starting this podcast with our community and our brand but to see yeah. someone like yourself who has created such a beautiful outlet for people to come to and well, listen and learn and a space so, yeah, and a, a space, space for conversation yeah. mm. which so, is like, as we've been talking earlier like that's the absent thing is communication for people because they like behind their picket fence they talk in their echo chambers and they don't want to listen to what someone that might not agree with them has to say and so it's fascinating to see this form and i think that's what has drawn us into the fray like we yeah. hide in costa rica like yeah. we travel all over the world in our little bubble shooting videos in the most remote places we can that's find. All we, do. <laughs> we don't meet anyone we don't see anyone and then all of a sudden it's like we have to we have good work to do like we have yeah. to we have to like our hearts need to speak and need mm -hmm. to hear and connect to other hearts and through that maybe we won't agree with the truths that we that we come across but if we hold our truths only only positive benefit can be found mm -hmm. and i think that that's that's something i think when we look at like as she's saying it your mm -hmm. podcast and what you've been doing like the og of like that holding that space it's mm -hmm. so it's so necessary and inspiring and, and honestly like one of the reasons we're here today like and doing this yeah. like it's funny we were saying earlier we're like normally we just come to austin maybe we do a little meetup or an event and we'd find the most remote place we could and we would never like yeah find that connection but human mm -hmm. connection in a time where everything seems so disconnected it's a need and the it, community wants yeah. it too you see like we we're saying the people around us and you know as you mentioned the fray like people are searching for that connection yeah. for other people that maybe can answer some questions for them because it is a very confusing time as well and especially i also find when someone's going through that kind of awakening in their mind like a realization like okay something doesn't feel right to me right now. I need, mm -hmm. like, I need to create change and shift something, but how do I do it? Where do I go? Where do I start? Like, who do I surround myself with, right? So being able to provide just a door for people to walk through, and whether that is, you know, like a conversation with someone that you have on your podcast or an event that they can come to, and then they can meet someone of a like-mindedness and then follow that journey. It's very, very important in this community. time. Community is creating right. community, yeah. Yeah. But with your podcast, I'm curious, do you have any guests that you've had that have really imprinted something in your heart, like become super memorable? So many, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, I think if, if the conversation is, is a really good conversation, every conversation <laughs> leaves an imprint. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. It's every time we interact with another person, we see another face of the divine. Mm. Really, if we're looking. Yeah. You know, as if we all believe that we're different facets of the same infinite diamond, which I believe, then looking deeply through and into another facet, you get to understand the divine, which is also helping you understand yourself. So there are certain people who I particularly enjoyed. I mentioned one of them, Zach Bush, Charles Eisenstein, you know, Robert Grant's been a lot of fun to podcast with lately. Matthias Stefano. I mean, that's a, that's a wow, whole yeah. other ride. Thank that, you for that. that. He takes you on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's another, that's a whole nother thing. But everybody really is somebody that I try to, I try to like see through into their lens and 
out through their lens mm -hmm. to just understand myself and the world better. Right. Um, and then, you know, there are those people like Matthias where he's seen through many different eyes Which is like, <laughs> of wow. many different times. What, yeah. what, I think we're really fascinated by your conversations with him. What was that like? What was that like? And, and how do you explain a, like, how do you, like, you I don't, like, that's, how I do don't even know how to frame it. it. Like, sure. how do you explain it? Like, well, I, <laughs> well, look, in, I'm exposed to all kinds of people and ideas that are very esoteric and very out there. And my default is heavy skepticism right. because I think most of the time, most people are full of shit, not intentionally. I don't think yeah. they're charlatans. I don't think they're trying to trick people. I think they're thinking that they're accessing truth, but they're really just seeing through a particular part of their own prism, mm -hmm. right? Or they're following an ideology, which is more of what I guess you would call the Barnum effect, which is a lot of like astrological readings, which mm -hmm. sound personal, but they're actually impersonal and translatable to many different, you know, understandings. And and I think a lot of what I experience is that or somebody channeling something and you're like, ah, I'm not really sure that you really access. And then every once in a while you meet somebody and you're like, damn, <laughs> that's real. That's really real. So when I heard Matthias remembers all of his past lives, remembers lives from, you know, non-incarnate existences mm -hmm. to incarnate existences, a life lived in the civilization of Chem, which was you know, post-Diluvian Atlantis and, or Atlantis settlement. Of course, I'm like, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> That's usually how I go too. Yeah. And I was like, maybe. Sure, let's, let's see. Maybe. Yeah. But then when every word rings true and everything he says correlates with what my own mystical journeys have helped me discover through my own independently sourced gnosis, mm -hmm that's one big sign and then reading the person and reading like seeing you just get a feel for it yeah. and with matthias it's been absolutely rock solid on both of those fronts both his ontology maps with my own understanding of the cosmos that i've that i've found and also you know the great traditions and his person is the type of person of integrity and honesty yeah. that i really believe so having access to Matthias is like a cheat code that it's, it's, un, it's impossibly un, you know, inestimable the value of that yeah. because he understands things that have been forgotten and understands things that without somebody like him remembering would never be recovered. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, you know, he's, he'll be the first to say that he's not expressing the truth. He's just expressing one perspective right. of the truth and but his perspective is a beautiful and kind of mind expanding perspective so i think we've done i don't know three or four podcasts now maybe four and each one has been mind-blowing and and no less mind-blowing are the small conversations we've had in between and right. other experiences right. that i've shared with them <laughs> wow is there like a pearl out of it like a moment where it connected for you or something he said that was just like that that pivotal piece that was that unlocked something well my first exposure was his nine-dimensional model of the of the cosmos 
and it mapped very closely to the shamanic model. You know, I think the very first video I ever put out on YouTube was like about my journey to the eighth dimension. <laughs> and it was during an ayahuasca experience. I actually um, show a little clip of that video in my latest documentary on ayahuasca mm. um, called the, Dragon of the Jungle. Is that the, dra the, the clip mm. with the dragons? Yeah, yeah. I saw that one. <laughs> so, I had already had through my own experiences and through what the shamans had, you know, kind of expressed to me a nine dimensional model of existence, but I couldn't articulate all the difference. It was very vague and I, you know, I was kind of figuring it out. So the first thing he dropped was this really tight ontology of nine dimensions with all of the geometry and the understanding of what type of beings were in each different place, what everything. And it was really just mind blowing to, to actually have that all spelled out in such a way with such detail and such knowledge yeah. that would take a lifetime of exploration to try and even get close to understanding. Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing. And then I think when I recognized what could be learned from the cultures that he'd, ex he'd experienced, because that's, that's a really big picture cosmology, which is more interesting you know, philosophically, I, I suppose, mm -hmm. rather than actually pragmatically. But when he talked about how they handled death in the civilization of Chem, where he was from, where at the time of dying, it was their belief that their objective was to bring the vibration of the individual to the highest maximum state so that when they transitioned, it would be a seamless transition because they're transitioning to a higher state, mm -hmm. you know, position right. in the non-incarnate space it's super high vibration you don't have your pains and your yeah. traumas and your you know you're seeing clearly and you're connected to the love of the divine the cosmos itself shekinah if you will and so what they would do is they would bring in sensual massage and the sweet smelling oils and the burning the you know the incense and playing music and laughing and that would be the final you know, the final hours or days as someone was transitioning was this wildly wow. erotic, you know, gorgeous celebration designed to bring someone into mm -hmm. the highest state of pleasure and joy yeah. so that when they transitioned into the place of bliss, it was a seamless transition. Yeah. And I was like, well, we're doing that exactly fucking backwards. <laughs> but it makes so much it sense. It makes so much sense. Of course wow. it does. Oh my and God. so you read and you're like, God, how did we miss that? Like, wow. How did we get that so yeah. wrong? Why is it in hospitals? This is like a solar experience. I know. A solar death. Yeah. That's yeah. really like that. Well, yeah. the idea too, I find that when we die, and that's kind of how I see it, like we're joining with what is the divine? What is the source? That's love. That's unconditional love. That's, right. that's, that's mm -hmm. everything that creates and that comes from love. So why wouldn't we, it makes total sense as you're saying, like, why wouldn't we bring ourselves to that place in our hearts where we feel pure love, whether, you know, whether it's through different techniques and tools instead of the opposite way where you feel alone and in a clinical alone kind of a, and afraid. Yeah. And, you know, and fear. Yeah. In clinical. In, in clinical and fear. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That, that was a really nice moment. Yeah. <laughs> like just even hearing you explain yeah. from him, I'm just like, it like literally just goes and just yep. connects and so, something that I've never yeah. ever exactly. considered Same before. Exactly. And it's almost wow. so obvious that you think of yourself like, I should have thought of that. Right. <laughs> but nobody did. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> you know? But you guys recreated that um, with the birth. 
of Xavier. Well, so the coming into life is also like an important yeah, passage right. and you know, it often happens in hospitals as well. It is, yeah. We've been very passionate about talking in regards to conscious birthing is when we just had a son, he's a year and eight months now, and I home birthed him at home. And it was very important for me to at least set that intention to be able to become as close to God as possible. Because I truly feel sure. like when you're birthing a child, like there's literally like the energy of creation is coming through your birthing life through your own body. And so you'll never be as close to God as you are at that moment. And I find that in our society and the fear that they yeah. put on women, you're like you have to go to the hospital, you have to get these drugs put into you so it numbs the pain. But the pain is part of the initiation of coming into motherhood. And so to me, I really wanted to go through that experience mm -hmm. to feel it. And to me personally, it was like it was like a psychedelic, insane experience. I'm sure. To to birth, you know, well, without any sort of interventions. It, and um, yours wasn't so regular, like meaning the duration of time of your initiation yeah. was also like it was a thirty four hour labor yeah but handled with grace and as the warrior in you presented itself i to witness that from the side was mm -hmm. like one of the most inspiring and beautiful things i've ever been a part of and uh, like to to have that position to see mm -hmm. so, like when she turned to me and was like no drugs at home <laughs> like we're gonna like laid out mm -hmm. this plan and was like this is how we're gonna do it mm -hmm. and i was just like like just the like the humbling feeling mm -hmm. of being next to somebody who could see it with such clarity and then kind of like what you just did there like that was there was just like of course like why are we fear, doing it the all other apprehension way? all yeah. everything would be like why would it be any other way of course like sometimes it is necessary because you know in birthing well, same with death is, yeah, right it's, like it's good it would be good if i intend to do that too with my wife Alana, yeah, you guys if, she's up, if she's up for it you know i mean yeah. obviously this is her choice mm -hmm. i can't say but that would be my preference as you know kind of the mm -hmm. whatever contribution i have to the to that decision of course yeah however i'd like to have an ambulance parked outside well, and trust us we outside, did too you know, yeah. parked outside the house yeah, of yeah. In case, especially you know. with the first birth like he was born in costa rica and so we were wanted to go to san jose a capital city and make sure there was a private hospital nearby because and that's what i was saying i'm like of course you, you have this vision that you want to go through an experience but you're also surrendering to a force that you're completely non-controlled. Yep. So things can go mm -hmm. wrong and medical intervention is important when it does become an emergency, of course. Of course. So that's why I don't want it to seem like home birth is the only way because no, yeah. you, know, you have to be open to everything. But to come back to what we were saying, like the idea that these, these transitions that we as human beings go through, death and birth, it is all to kind of we're reuniting with this energy of love and creation and the more we can see it that way you know rather than mm -hmm. see it through the eye of fear and and all that yeah. experience i think that's such a beautiful awakening to come to indeed and, mm -hmm. it, and it shouldn't stop there with birth and mm -hmm. death there's so many other important and absolutely vital aspects to our life i mean you talk about the power of the moment of birth well what about every time that opens the possibility for conception yeah right like and actually reclaiming the holy sanctity of sexuality in its entirety <laughs> in its rawness in its vitalness mm -hmm. in its full fuck in its full pleasure in its full rapture 
you know, they, and, and this is something that I think is really another big piece is so much of, you know, religious dogma and other, other puritanical ideas that have, that have crept in, even from industrialist work ethics, where work is good, pleasure is bad, yeah. you know, it doesn't even have to have religious underpinnings, but we've lost this sense of vitality that comes from the erotic merger mm -hmm. with our partners. And we're doing, you know, carrying out all kinds of unconscious behavior. Yeah, we're getting a little bit of the pleasure, but we're not doing it anywhere near to the fullness of the capacity of what that act can actually provide. And that's something that's regular, you mm -hmm. know, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. And so that's one, that's one area, but there's so many other areas. I mean, recently, at Burning Man, Vailana and I just went through uh, a marriage on the playa. And we already, we got married legally by Elvis. By in, Elvis. In, in Vegas during <laughs> oh, the pandemic. Wow. Not real Elvis, obviously, but. Uh, you never know. <laughs> yeah, um, the fact that I had to clarify that is just shows you how strange my life can get on occasion. Uh, but it was. It was a really like it was an absolute like reimagining of what this ceremony was. We rode out in front of this beautiful statue of this gigantic goddess out on the playa, and Whoa. we were dressed in the things that represented like the the truest innate parts of our nature. And we had all our best friends there, and we passed around sacraments from. Uh, might as well just share, but like we passed around a whiskey and ketamine and love drops, and we were just in this rapturous moment where we were speaking about our love and speaking about all of this and having our dearest friends and allies come up and offer their prayers and offer their, you know, administration and officiation. And everybody who was there at that wedding said it was one of the greatest experiences of their life, let alone the greatest experiences of, of ours, because we were all in this just rapturous love bubble together, free flowing. Nothing was planned. It was all from the heart. That's and so beautiful. it was like, it was unbelievable. You know, it was this unbelievable experience. And, and that, that's, I think, because even marriage can be so sterile. Like, here's the point. Okay, here's where you cut the cake. Photo, photo, photo. Mm -hmm. Here. Oh, now you got to smear the cake on his face. That's what you do. <laughs> so do that stupid yeah, thing. And then, up, okay, right? here's this. But there's some traditions that I think are rad. Mm -hmm. Like the daddy-daughter dance. Like, that's special. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. really cool. You don't need to change that. So yeah, you include, mm -hmm. include what's good and then mm -hmm. transcend. And, and I think that's the model that we're really in. It's not like you have to discard everything, mm -hmm. include what's really special. Like you may now kiss the bride, like that's a fucking yeah. moment. Yeah. You know? Like we're going to keep that. And we kept that on the playa too. But it's about like just really reimagining and rewriting all the stories yeah. about all of these initiations. Another one, I mean, you yeah. have a son, oh, yeah. you know, these rites of passage, yeah. mm -hmm. people need rites of passage, totally. men and women both. But I think particularly for men, women have a built-in rite of passage with birth. Yeah. You oh know, yeah, it changes mm -hmm. you like... For sure. Yeah. So you're, that's, that's the kind of built-in men. I mean, you can go Peter, you can Peter Pan all the way to, you know, a hundred right. without ever having an initiation where you ever actually feel like you've fully consciously stepped into manhood and, mm -hmm. and earned it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's absolutely vital. Certainly yeah. the plant medicine path has helped me with that you know, right. kind of, but it hasn't been done necessarily as a rite of passage. It just has been a rite mm -hmm. of passage. 
I think that's so cool. And I think that's something we've taken a page from as well, which is the idea of tradition and, and being critical enough of that which people tell you is how a structure of something that you're going to undergo should be, such as a wedding or any kinds of rites of passage like this and figuring out what it is that speaks to the heart and is special, like the kissing of the bride or the daddy-daughter dance or, you know, really figuring out what to you would make a moment that would be meaningful and from the heart space yeah. rather than what I think these things have just been so, like, I don't know, they've just been scraped of, of where it probably came from which is a place of heart to be right. like, well, we just do this because we do it. And right. it goes into this weird automation, like the, like the, the idea of just doing it because that's what you're supposed to do. And, and so there's a self-awareness in these kinds of things that I think when people, they are able to step outside of the paradigm and analyze, well, what a value of this is there for me? It can, it can really heighten these experiences to mm -hmm. be something so special and to do something like that, like that, like hearing you speak of it, it it's such like, it's, can you already like visualize it being so beautiful and special? And we weren't even there, but yeah. like, just from the way you describe it is like. Oh yeah, when we finish, I'll show you some pictures. And yeah. It's like, oh, it's wow. so it's like. crazy. That's so amazing. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you feel like you guys have like, as a couple in your relationship have kind of taken that next step? Like that, that experience have tr transcended you to a new level in your relationship? <laughs> Well, the yes, and it wasn't exactly as we expected because I I know enough about ritual and and ceremony particularly that I knew that if if I was going to do it, I wanted to do it for real. Yeah. I mean, the Elvis thing was cool. We wanted to get married. It was fucking 2020. Yeah. Nobody was going anywhere, so we're yeah. like, fuck it, let's just do this. We'll get the paperwork done. It's more interesting than going to the courthouse. Mm -hmm. Better story. <laughs> totally. You know? yeah. Better story. So. That was fine. But I was like, if we're going to do this, we have to do this for real. Like we really have to be, you know, entering into union with a deeper an even deeper part of ourselves an even mm -hmm. deeper dimensional layer. And we had that represented by our playa names, which is really cool. I could go into that if you wanted. But mm -hmm. but ultimately that that idea that it was something very real and it was something very real. And, you know, in that experience, then we just did something very real, a very real ritual. And then we got back home. Serotonin's a little low, coming back from Burning Man. Yeah. And actually the parts of our relationship that were out of resonance with the commitment that we made started to bubble up. And so we actually spent about two days in, you know, resolving any variety of conflicts that were bringing to surface areas that actually didn't meet the commitment that we just made, even though we were already married, already right. been together, it was like, okay, this is another level. And this stuff, this pattern of how we can communicate sometimes when we're stressed, this has to go. Mm -hmm. This subtle way in which love is pulled back and withdrawn and is not always forward, like that can't work. Wow. And it was interesting because it was almost as if I could feel our future children coming in and saying like, all right, Y'all are for real, so you better sort this shit out because yeah. you're not going to pass any of this stuff on to us. You know, like handle your shit. Yeah, it's <laughs> beautiful. And uh, and and then so you'll be ready for us. Yeah. And and so it was, it was a little bumpy to be honest, mm -hmm. but that all of those bumps yielded, you know, incredible growth. Yeah, it's necessary, right? Yeah. If it's just smooth sailing, you're not actually expanding and growing as you know as right. a couple. We're together. growing together. And growing together. Right? Yeah, and especially like you're saying, like you guys, you sound like you're very 
preparing yourself spiritually to be parents mm -hmm. soon, hopefully, because um, you know being new parents yeah. oh, as well, we're like is amazing. It's amazing to bring life into the world, and I find that it does. Of course, it, it can bring some challenges to your dynamic as a couple based on the, you know, the earthly stresses of you know, sleep deprivation and things like that. But the love that you feel and like this unit that it brings you together, it's by having a child, this, this human that you've created is, wow, it's, it's, a, it's, a, different, mm -hmm. it's a different step. Well, it's you know? funny, and I think when you approach it with love yeah. and with a kind of awareness, there's this story that people warned us about endlessly when mm. they heard we were having kids. Like, oh, your life will change. Yeah. Your life's yeah. over. You can't be beautiful anymore. You won't be yeah. able to travel. All the things. Oh, you'll never sleep again. Like there's just this narrative that's been worked into our society. And I, I don't, I, I can't speak for other people's experiences and I don't, wouldn't want to try, but for ours, we approached it open heartedly and yeah, logistically it's a nightmare. But in everything beginning. in life is yeah. a nightmare logistically. Like mm -hmm. everything, like everything is difficult. Yeah. It's yeah. just a different type of difficulty. Yeah. But the love that it brings mm -hmm. and the dynamic, like in, to us and mm -hmm. how it's unified everything, it's made purpose stronger because when we're with him, um, everything's perfect. Mm -hmm. And then when we leave, it's like we're making an active choice to separate, but it makes the things we do outside of being with him need to be more important mm -hmm. so it makes us work harder and more passionately and it's mm -hmm. clarifying and i think that and then anything that's not we just shed that away and either be very purposeful or come mm -hmm. back to each other right. with him and and i think that like that that's such a special thing about parenthood that i think is missed is that it's that extra depth the layer mm -hmm. because there's it's again this fear-based culture that like ends up saying like oh it's all over when that happens right but mm -hmm. actually it's all just beginning. and we never stopped traveling like, we never like our life actually never changed we just added a new dynamic and sure you have to get a nanny or you know a mom comes and helps things yeah. like that of course it changes a little bit but the challenges the you know the narrative that a lot of people tend to put on others when they say oh we're having a kid they're like oh get ready yeah well <laughs> if, if you haven't noticed from me yeah i categorically reject all stories that people yeah. try to say <laughs> like okay maybe maybe yeah, but for me it might maybe. be completely maybe. different yeah. you maybe. know like yeah. and then and then it's like and maybe not i yeah. i don't think just because of momentum that something is true. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, and I think that's just part of the way that my consciousness works. And sometimes it is fucking true. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. And it's like, my maybe turns out to be like with Matthias, it was like, maybe. Yeah. And it was like, damn, yeah. 100% right. Right. Wow. Yeah. What a thought. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that's the way, sometimes the way with cultural stories. But when I look at, when I look at raising our, you know, our, the ideas that we'll have, you know, two children, but you know, who knows? The universe has a big say in this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I think about it, I think about like, all right, well, let's look at the ways that we're doing, most people do it now. And mm -hmm. let's look at the ways that other different cultures have done it, other different villages have done it, mm -hmm. other different ways. And let's just reimagine what could be possible. Mm -hmm. And And I think that's something that's really interesting to me is like really reimagining what's possible and and what one thing that inspired me from that was aldous huxley's book island and i don't know if you guys are familiar mm, no. with aldous huxley or the book island but it's this um 
kind of his version of a utopian clash with dystopia. So utopia clashing with dystopia, sky shipwrecks on an island and island of Pala, and they just do things radically different. Hmm. And the way that they raise kids and the way that, you know, parents and parent-child relationship is, is just radically reimagined in this island. And it's more of the village raises the child model. Hmm. And, and he, but he goes into specific detail about each one of the different ways that the, that the model has shifted and how important that is psychologically, because one of the challenges with the single, you know, single mother, single father raising one child dynamic is, is that the child projects all of capital M mother onto the mother and all of capital F father onto the father. Now these archetypes are massive. Capital mm -hmm. M mother is all of the earth, mm -hmm. all of the nurturing, <laughs> you know, care and love and support of Gaia herself and is a single human woman going to, or, you know, in, in our time, potentially a man is playing the mother role, whatever, but is a single human of any sort yeah. going to fulfill that role? Fuck no. Mm -hmm. You're going to let that kid down yeah. until, and until you actually say like, I'm mom, but I'm not mother. Right. Like here's yeah. your mother. See the blackberries growing on that bush right there. That's mother. See this mm -hmm. water in the stream. That's mother. See this, you know, meat on your plate. Yeah. That's mother. Yeah. And mother's always caring for you. See the sun. See all, it's mother. Yeah. And then you want to know about father, you know, like father is this force of life that's animating your body. It's the, mm -hmm. it's the thing that you cannot touch that makes you who you are and what you are. It's this, these, these prince first principles of the cosmos that we're all abiding in and I'm dad, but I'm not father, you know, and, and really trying to show that. And I think taking some of the weight off mm -hmm. of that relationship is super important because oh, otherwise you end up in this kind of Freudian clusterfuck <laughs> where like everybody's projecting yeah. the entirety of mother and father onto two beings who can never possibly live up to it. Right. And so I think just reimagining everything for the new story that we're writing is something I'm deeply passionate about. And I haven't solved that puzzle yet, exactly how to do it, other than constantly reminding mm -hmm. my son or my daughter, like, I'm dad, but remember, I'm not father. Right. Like, let me show you. And not, not let me tell you about father. Let me bring you through the initiations where you get to feel father. Yeah. You know, like, because you got to know father and you got to know mother. You can't just hear about them in stories. Stories are, stories are good, but feel them. Like, and understand. In, and in your perspective, what are those initiations in feeling mother and father? I think feeling mother is... Um, is really about spending time in nature, mm -hmm. you know, more than anything, and really deeply, deeply connecting with the Great Mother. Mm -hmm. and, and I think finding ways to really interact with eating food that's coming from like, like wild harvested food, like again, finding those blackberries that are just growing not in a hedge somewhere, but in the middle of a forest. Yeah. Right you know, and understanding mm -hmm. that and that's like, really... and like, that's all you're eating that day. Or even, even if it's like, you know, I could even see this. So if you're eating fish or eating any meat, it's like actually connecting with the animal and then actually being a part of the taking of the life of that animal, the cleaning of that animal, the preparation of it. So you actually see that you're actually just transmuting an aspect of mother and seeing like being a part of the whole mm -hmm. cycle rather than eat your chicken tenders what's a chicken tender 
<laughs> like, yeah, you know, like where did it come complete from? Disconnection, like yeah. complete disconnection. Yeah. So it's like re-engaging back with that, I think is probably one of the more important ways to feel mother. And I think there's almost psychedelic states that humans can get in where they can transmit, they can transcend the individual boundaries mm -hmm. of self and actually transmit a version of mother through like, like, let me show you what mother feels like, you know? Mm. And I, so I do think there's a, a sacred role for humans in that and sacred role for father. Let me show you what father yeah, feels yeah. like, you know? And mm -hmm. so I think that's important. And, and for father, I think it's, you know, certainly with mother ayahuasca could play an interesting role at the right time. It is really kind of the spirit of Gaia herself. Right. And she like really helps connect you in a deeper way. Um, and, and you do definitely connect with nature more like with Wachuma or psilocybin out in nature, mm -hmm. the trees start to speak and you start to feel the energy of the land and the sunsets are mind blowing. And so that's a good way. And, and father energy, you know, probably I think the, the clearest way to get there, um, would be probably a five MEO experience, you know, <laughs> when, when you're ready. I mean, that's that's a portal straight to father god can can you explain 5meo so 5meo dmt it uh it can be synthetically produced but it's typically harvested from uh the colorado river toad called bufo it's because that's one of the scientific names for it and it's milked doesn't harm the toad they have these glands that produce it and um and it forms this kind of glass like a kind of like a shatter and then you measure that out and you vaporize the shatter and you inhale it and the 5-meo dmt interacts with receptors that we have in our body and locks in place and it takes you to a very somatic experience of being one with all of creation mm. so you merge with the feeling of really everything all the love all the pain all the joy all the ecstasy all the sadness all the laughter mm. all of it all at the same time is screaming through every cell yeah. of your body i mean the closest thing you can imagine is that moment of orgasm where everything just goes like like your just body is just flooded with pleasure it's kind of the pleasure face of mm -hmm. god this is just a different face of the different face of the divine. And um, once you feel that, you know, I mean, I've been a part of many, many of those different ceremonies. And it's it's funny because when you feel that, you know something like, you know, something that you never knew before. I remember one, you know, one of our one of our friends, we, we helped bring her through a journey with uh, with some shamans who are coming into town and uh, and she just, she just was saying the funniest thing. She was like, I knew it was real. I knew it was real. I knew it. I knew it was real. <laughs> you know, and what she was talking about was she like knew that like, God as love yeah. was real. Yeah. And, but she never felt it. So she mm. didn't really know it until she, that, that she point. She felt it. Yeah. She knew it. Yeah. You know, wow. she always believed it. Yeah. But at that point she knew it. And mm. in that experience, I think it just recalibrates everything because then you're not just telling stories. Yeah. You get, you transmit the felt sense of what that really is. And that becomes, those become anchor points mm -hmm. for your life. 
And I think providing those anchor points is really helpful. And it's not, it's not the only way. And I'm not saying psychedelic medicine is the answer for everybody. Yeah. Um, it's certainly been the answer, an answer for me that's mm-hmm. been very important. Um, but maybe it, would, maybe it won't be for my children. You know, I, I don't know. I'll mm. ne- I won't know that until I have the, I have the sense and mm-hmm. I have the knowing. But that's what I imagine. I imagine that there'll be some psychedelic rituals, there'll be some breath work, there'll be some time in nature, there'll be some mm-hmm. vision quests, there'll be a, some darkness retreats, there'll be, yeah. and just a lot of love and a lot of laughter and a lot of backyard Living. games <laughs> of pickleball and basketball and yeah. a lot of like, you it's know, beautiful. a lot of fun. Wow. That's really cool. You say that you find that for you, plant medicine and these types of journeys have really changed you. What do you think has died in you and rebirthed through these I mean, it's a million times. Like I, every time something dies and something is reborn, it's almost like it melts, like we'll very quickly get stuck in a invisible box mm-hmm. of our projections of a person, our understanding of something that happened in the past, our view of the world at large. And we won't know that we're looking through uh, a looking glass mm-hmm. and then the plant medicines they just remove the looking glass and you see the truth and you go oh man like ah oh, forgot again i forgot again i mean every time i've done five meo it's still like it's the same feeling but i recognize how much i forgot i was mm-hmm. like oh i forgot oh man god Whew, god yeah. <laughs> wow i forgot again yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's so hard yeah. to like to remember that. And yeah. so there's been some more dramatic than others, of course, but it's yeah. been a continual process of remembering, mm-hmm. just remembering, reminding, remembering, reminding. Do you find that you retain longer in between each time? Like it keeps you grounded yeah, and closer sure. to source? I mean, it, it's every time you remember, you remember a little bit more. Right. You know? And the baseline, your baseline level of understanding of the world, it just evolves. Yeah. And, um, but it's not a, it's not a one time, you don't just do ayahuasca once and everything, you know, that's all you need to do forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think people have this idea that we're like a, we're like a, a machine. And if you fix it once, yeah. then it's fixed forever. Where we're not, we're an always evolving, yeah. you know, very porous light body that's Mm -hmm. interacting with a culture that is not supporting these different beliefs. And so we're actually going to be participating in this and Mm -hmm. it's, it's impossible to keep ourselves protected from that type of energy. Mm -hmm. The rise and the fall, like, right. And and that's, if you're going to be in the fray, you're going to take on the energy of the Mm -hmm. collective and then you're going to have to purge the energy of the collective. And I think a lot of the, the guru types, they really actually do, try to isolate themselves from the energy mm-hmm. of the fray, right? They have, you know, ashrams and monasteries yeah. and people who are always out in front of them, yeah. clearing the path of any kind of dissonant energy. And, and it's just because they want to stay in the frequency that they've been able to cultivate. Mm-hmm. However, they've been able to cultivate it. They want to stay in that frequency. Mm-hmm. And I think Ramdas had a, just a different idea which was like, no, I'm going to move to New York because it's the most difficult place for me to go. And that'll be, the, <laughs> that'll be my stepping into the fray and doing the work yeah. to actually try to maintain my frequency in the most difficult place possible. 
and he had that real bodhisattva mentality mm -hmm. right now eventually you know in his older years he's off in maui mm -hmm. and you know he's kind of doing his own thing but mm -hmm. he really he carried that torch as a bodhisattva for many many years and and i really admire that about him the difference between a buddha and a like a like a monk and a bodhisattva is a monk is happy to find his own enlightenment or her own enlightenment and just keep that state mm -hmm. of consciousness which is important for the collective because what's mm -hmm. possible for one becomes possible for many it clears the path so i'm not denigrating that path i think it's mm -hmm. important if you're called to it the bodhisattva sees the suffering of the world knows that they can isolate themselves and maintain a state of enlightenment but because of their deep compassion for that suffering they go into the fray mm -hmm. right and that's the and that's the big difference and you know that's the that's the path that I'm more called to not trying to say that I could find enlightenment even if I did move to a fucking mountain. I got plenty of problems. So, right. <laughs> but For nonetheless, sure. like the path of the path of stepping in and being of service is definitely what calls to me the most. Yeah, that's that's. But you're you are being of ser you being of service and really practicing that using all the tools to come into the self-realization is the greatest of service you can be to humanity, right? Like that's one of the most potent quotes I've always connected to with um, Ramana Maharaji, right? Mm -hmm. He said like the greatest thing you can do for humanity is follow your self-realization. And through mm -hmm. that, you are being of service to others. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're searching for that. You're not the monk that's going to go and hide. Yeah. You know, there, there is, I guess, beauty with that because if you are the monk that's hiding, maybe you're writing books and people do study you and that helps people on their path. But then there's something greater to actually going in, doing the, the dirty work, right? It's like the story of Malirapa. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Malirapa. Mm -hmm. So um, to make it short, but he pretty much reached enlightenment by, he was taken by these monks and they said, okay, build this monastery for me. So he spent years and digging holes and doing it. And then they come and they look and like, ah, oh, you know what? It's a little too far to the right. Tear it down, do it again. And he did that for years and years and years. And finally, like through the hard work and like dedication, he reached that point of understanding that that was his practice. It wasn't going in the caves and sitting in silence. Mm -hmm. It was building these difficult monasteries or whatever he was building at the time and then having to redo it again and learning the idea of impermanence and hard work and it's such a beautiful story that i think teaches us that you know us meditating and studying that isn't the only path mm -hmm. of yeah. reaching that enlightenment it is doing the work and and interacting with people and helping others and feeling their pain and your pain and, and growing together through it mm. you know that's that's the work right indeed yeah yeah, it's yeah. So, wow. and it's really interesting. Yeah. I think I, there's like a, a really common theme I find of your questioning of everything and yeah. your um, sort of looking to find your own answer and believing that you're capable of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've recently met, so I, I only know from the outside looking in, but it seems that you've lived a great life of, of, of determination which is equal like a level of manifestation. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, from a mirror, I think we, I see that in you because we have also in a, in a lot of ways, like tried our best at believing what is possible and then trying to actualize it. It never actualizes the way we think, but whatever is meant to be comes to. Um, and so I've, I'm greatly fascinated with um, op like the optics of success, which is completely an optical thing. I understand that. 
but to see what you've accomplished in your life in through like in linear with service. I think it's really beautiful. And do you feel that you have not mastered manifestation, but do you think the manifestation mm -hmm. has played a role in the life that you've created for yourself? I think the, the longer I go, the less and less credit I start to take for the things that are happening. Right. You know, at first it feels like, oh, it was all me. You know, I, I, I dedicated myself and I worked hard and I thought about it and I envisioned it and I did it all. And it's true and it's not true. Yeah. And there was always a guiding force, an unseen hand whispering in my ear, you right. know, about where to go and what to do and what was important and what wasn't. And I just can't take all the credit for that. You know, I, I think in, in my own, you know, study of the lineage of the wisdom of Solomon and the deep Kabbalistic, you know, wisdom traditions, we would call it, you know, Shekinah. So we would say like, she was there, you know, she was there every step of the way guiding me. I mean, even, so as I mentioned, you know, before, one of my best friends on the planet of a person who I know will be a brother till the day we die is, is Aaron Rodgers. And we super serendipitously met when I was podcasting with his girlfriend at the time, Danica Patrick, interesting little discussion there, kind of kept in touch. Mm -hmm. And then, <clears throat> last year and probably would have never really made the step to actually connect but last year i watched a, watched one of his games it was an amazing game first of all i don't catch a lot of football games mm -hmm. you know but i caught that one which was also yeah. coincidental i can't take credit for that so i'm like i'm gonna watch the packers games, yeah, you know? yeah yeah and then for whatever reason i not only watched the game but i stayed and watched the post-game interview never do that why did i do that i have no idea why i did that i never do that turn the, the game's done that's it that's what i'm there for i'm not yeah. there for and they interview aaron and and he just looks at the camera and he has a look and he has the look of the warrior poet and i recognize it and he goes isn't this game romantic isn't this game romantic and he just kind of looked out at the crowd and i was like whoa and so I shared that and I just hit him up, texted him right away. I was like, yo, man, like that was, I saw it, like I was looking at that and, and you, you played like a warrior poet and you spoke like a warrior poet. And I just want to acknowledge that energy. And that was like the exact right thing to say mm -hmm. at that exact right moment that ended up opening up the entirety of our friendship, a friendship that'll change both of our lives forever. So do I get credit for that? Sure, I guess. <laughs> Kinda. But Somehow do, things aligned, right? Things yeah. aligned. Yeah. And mm -hmm. in, in all of these different circumstances, yeah. yes, I had a choice. Yeah. But also I was being, I was always being guided. Hmm. And um, Burning Man was another great example of that. It's like every single thing, every, all of these ideas and everything, it was just about really listening mm -hmm. and magic, just absolutely magical coincidental things <laughs> would continually happen as mm -hmm. soon as we found the right timeline. Wow. So a lot of it is like, how deeply can I listen? How deeply yeah. can I be true to, to like my intention and, mm -hmm. and what I'm doing? And, and that feeling of being in truth and being 
at one with the cosmic urge, mm -hmm. that, that deep pulsing, throbbing desire of she, capital S, she, Shekinah, that gives you a lot of faith when you start to understand, you know, how much influence mm -hmm. those forces have. Wow. And, and I think that's the position that I'm in. So I see the future where I step in, and the lineage word is um, tekufot, which is like the sacred audacity of one who knows that they are acting in accord with the universe. Mm, and it's beautiful. this deep, deep, like courageous messianic faith of like, no, no, I know, I know that I am true in this and that I am listening and that I am humble and that I'm going to move forward in spite of all odds because I have, I have that faith. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so we'll see where the, where the future takes me. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I certainly, <laughs> I certainly have a feeling that it's going to get kind of wild. Yeah. And, uh, and everything in the past is awesome and I love it and I'm yeah. grateful for the books and the companies and, yeah. but it all kind of just felt like practice when I look at the wow. future. That's a beautiful way to look at it. Yeah. Mm. You're really, really trusting that, that intuition, which is so important. And I find that I, f I feel like that intuition exists in all of us, but I believe the ego and the mind gets so in the way. Make a yeah. lot of noise. It makes so much noise mm -hmm. that it clutters that connection to here. And I think what's beautiful is that you're an example of someone that's really listened to that. And it's look where it's guided you, right? To really create and bring these beautiful you know, things to life. Mm. So, and I, w and I must say to everybody, like people are like, wow, Aubrey just has all of these attributes and skills like the, and I appreciate the acknowledgements that you guys have shared. Mm. And I must also say that I've had many times the least faith of anyone that I've ever known. That's really you know, like doubted everything, every step of the way. It's all going to be fucked. I spent the first seven years of running on it. Maybe the, maybe the whole time, honestly, thinking like next week is going to be the thing that's going to take us out. Wow. So let me prepare everything to make sure that that is less likely. And it was this constantly like, vigilantly observing and imagining the worst case scenario <laughs> happening over and over and over again. And also still believing, mm -hmm. you know, believing that we were acting from like, I, I always knew my intentions and mm -hmm. that's what always gave me faith. But like, it's not that I've had this perfectly perfected spiritual avenue. And it's not that I still don't fall into deep depressive periods where it's like, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do anything or if I can even still hear the voice of the universe or whether it even fucking matters. And, and like, so wherever you are, don't imagine that there's just beings out there that yeah. just fucking have it all mm -hmm. figured out. Cause we don't, mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't, how we do just you, don't. How do you get yourself out of that dark space when you do enter it though? there's it's more of a choice than we realize actually and that's hmm. and that's why i stay in there a shorter amount of time mm -hmm. like it's more we have more agency than we realize that we do and that choice might be to go into a cold plunge mm -hmm. go work out go you know do some breath work put on some music and ecstatic dance. It could be also just to 
find something to laugh about, you know, disrupt, disrupt the yeah. disrupt the pattern. Yeah. And it's not like it's not like you go into the ecstatic dance and you like, you know, that it's going to come out the other side because you won't really believe you'd be like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to fucking dance because I have that choice. I know that I can put on music and I can move my body right. or I know that I can link a hundred connected deep breaths together because I have that sovereignty right. and I am able to do that and I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. Whatever happens from there, I don't know. And, and probably if you ask me, you'd be like, yeah, I'll probably still think I'm a piece of shit and still be depressed. But then that hundred breaths happens and all of a sudden I start to cry. And I realized that it was some grief I was holding about mm -hmm. this thing or just tears that were unexpressed or this stuck sense of helplessness, yeah. Yeah. you know, getting, and not being able to help the world in the way that I wanted. Getting that energy out. I think that's, exactly. that's so, it, I resonate to that so, so accurately. And I think the more that I disrupt in those dark moments, the more easier, it never is easy, but it gets a little easier because you're like, you kind of can remember that time. Yeah. The time before where yeah. you're like, you doubted it and you're like, you dragged yourself up and you like, I'm going to just do a hundred pushups, however long it takes. And when yeah. it's done, maybe I'll feel better. And it's yeah. like that weird little memory uh -huh. yeah. that gives you that little bit more faith, but doesn't make it much easier. Right. But it's like, oh yeah, there was that. And I think like that agency that you speak of that, like that, that belief that, or it's almost not a belief because a belief I think would be like, you would know, but like, the inclination that maybe if I disrupt it again, I'll get that same result Right. to return to self and to get that energy, that feeling and just like do something for me. It's usually very physical. Like it's like mm -hmm. a, a run. I'll just be like, and I do not feel like fucking running. Of like, course. It's, <laughs> no, the it's the last thing last, in the world. And that's actually a good indicator that it's the thing you want to do. That's if you're a, looking out at like, all right, what are the ways that I could disrupt that? And you're like, definitely don't want to do breath work. I'll fucking work out, but I'm not breathing. Then go, you know, to, the breathing. Then go to the breathing. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'll breathe, but I'm certainly not going on a run. Oh, then go for a run. For you know, sure. Like, you know, like that, it's like, like attracts like, and that whatever that energy is that's with us yeah. is wants to perpetuate itself yeah. as all things want to perpetuate themselves. It's in its survival. It's in its survival. Yeah. So it knows it has an intelligence to know what's going to kill it. And it's going to be afraid of what's going to kill it. That's mm -hmm. amazing. So that's also one of the techniques that you start to learn as an alchemist yeah. of your own emotions. Like this is alchemy. Mm -hmm. This yeah. is transformation. This is turning lead into gold. This is, this is the process. And it's beautiful. you use these techniques to be like, all right, I'm now seeing through this prism. I have just that little bit of self-awareness. And so what is the thing I want to do the least? I'm going to do that thing. And, and it's going to be right. I love it. Wow. And it, it almost always is. That's yeah. a crazy thing, wow. right? Yeah. I mean, amazing. yeah, you know, like you've seen me in my worst days. Yeah. And I'll, and sometimes now she even knows enough. She's like, just go for a run. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, totally. go. and I'm like, oh, yeah, there's yeah. that thing. Although it doesn't work so well when we say that. <laughs> yeah, <right>? <laughs> <laughs> Just take a deep breath. I'm too angry to breathe right now. <laughs> you're so well, right I literally about told that to me. I was like, oh boy, you're too angry to breathe. Right? I, I relate and to that too. that's obviously a generalization, but... Uh, For sure. Well, it happens to Mari too. Yeah. No, it happens to me too. I relate 100%. I say, just, just calm down. Just no... I'll be like, get like, on the energy is I don't like, want to get on my right. fucking mat, right? I'm yeah. just get on... And like, then I just shut yeah. up. No, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think, I think it's also, you know, culture. I don't think it has much to do with a man or women per se, but I think culturally 
part of what the frustration that women have is men have been telling y'all to do right. for way too fucking long. Yeah. And yeah. so if your partner is a man and they're like, maybe take some breaths, they're like, fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> you're like, I'm not the patriarchy. I'm just helpful. Trying to tell you to take a couple breaths. Just being there for you, yeah. right? Oh my goodness. Oh. Down with the man. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Oh Relax. my God, that's oh my so goodness. funny. But that's good though. It's good to know that there's something that we can do because I feel like sometimes when people fall into those dark holes, it's so easy to feel helpless and just to victimize yourself, you know, and be like, okay, I'm just going to stay here. But it's like, no, no, you always do have the control. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's in the mind. It's like to shift your brain slightly or to do something physical or to just like get the energy out, you know, like scream even, like scream into the pillow, like whatever yeah, it is, totally. right? Just to get that energy moving. It's so well, important. The, the yeah. dark night of the soul or those dark moments mm-hmm. are an opportunity to make a choice, right? Yeah. And that's, that's like to move towards the light. in those yeah. moments in my life. And I know in yours, like yeah. they've been the moments where we've defined the rest of our lives lives because mm-hmm. we've chosen mm-hmm. to get up and to do something mm-hmm. and, yeah. and to see it as that opportunity and that to have that decision as hard as it might be mm-hmm. um, it's become some of the most pivotal yeah. pivotal choices we've ever made yeah it's really interesting eh? yeah and it's amazing that you're just kind of moving with that energy and and really opening yourself up to you know what what the future will bring your way mm. but what does the future for Aubrey Marcus look like <laughs> It's a matter of it's a matter of listening. I mm-hmm. mean, I think the world is evolving, and if you're actually really listening, mm-hmm. then the needs of the world shift in as in real time, and and also in accord to what you're actually able to provide. So I think it's yet to be determined. I mean, I I think um, certainly I'm going to keep writing. Certainly I'm going to keep podcasting. Certainly I'm going to keep telling, you know, telling stories. Yeah, and. Um, but we'll see wherever else it goes. It could just be a measure of amplification, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just the message continues to resonate with more and more people. Or it could be a turn of some sort, you know. I mean, the last place I would ever see myself is politics. But even that, I guess it's possible. I mean, <laughs> I, it seems like the absolute last thing I would ever want to do. Yeah. But who, do, who knows, right? Like in that, in that moment where it's like, shit. You know, like we need to do something again. It's the last thing I would want to do, but everything in my mind is possible. I'm just going to listen, you know, and and I don't know. The openness in that, that's beautiful. And and the spiritual and political, I mean, some of the greatest things that have happened in progressive politics have come from spiritual places. Yeah. And I think that the best leaders are the ones that are doing it because they know it's the right thing to do and they're open to stepping in. I mean, that's the plague of politics now, right? People that are doing it as an opportunity rather than an obligation or, or right. feeling a feeling mm-hmm. of the heart. Right. And to bring heart into politics. Hey, I'm not pushing you to do it, but hey, <laughs> because I, it's a terrible area to it's, get it's into. Rough. The but, energy. Like but, talking, it is, but it is that feeling of like, if, if that's what the world wants from me, yes. I will do it. For like sure. Whatever, whatever, yeah. the world, whatever the world is really asking. Um, and I'm... I'm too open to listening constantly Mm -hmm. and i think that's another thing that these plant medicines keep they don't let you hide from yourself for the universe Mm -hmm. like you you just you can't be hiding and go like do these medicines like the the voice is so loud and so clear and shows you all of the ways that the stifling of you living your dharma is Mm -hmm. fucking everything up like you you just can't do it Mm. 
And you can't screw people over either. Like all your justifications and all of these things, you just can't do it. Mm -hmm. It holds you accountable. And, and that's, I think, a real advantage of that. Um, I think it's, you know, obviously I had a, you know, a very long friendship with Joe Rogan. And, and one of the things Joe would talk about was getting really high and going into his float tank. <laughs> and that would hold him accountable because at that point he would look and be like, was, you know, do I need to apologize? And one thing I love about Joe is when he feels like he needs to apologize, he will, right. you know, and, and that's, that's because of the accountability that he's, you know, his own practices hold him to. Cause really that's, you know, that's really the only person that's going to hold you accountable once you reach a certain level, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, unless you have like a really good friend, you yeah. know, like me yeah. and Aaron can hold each other accountable mm-hmm. because we don't need anything from each other, yeah. but mostly everybody in Aaron's life and even my life to a certain degree, there's something that they probably want, yeah. you know, that's and that's okay. And that's all good. So we have a lot, we have a, I have a podcast, he's got fucking box seats at the game like right. whatever whatever right. the fuck it is you yeah. know there's like some other way in which people are going to be a little bit nicer yeah. than maybe they need to be and not tell you the real truth like yeah that was bullshit you know and we need that we but in the plant but the plants they don't care right they don't need anything from us yeah. they're like ascended masters taking form in you know in yeah. the plant kingdom or yeah. the fungal kingdom they don't need shit from us no. other than to what the whole cosmos needs itself Mm -hmm. and and so that's i think one of the great things about this path is there's real accountability and you don't always need plants like go to a darkness retreat Mm -hmm. you know spend six days like i did in absolute silence absolute darkness you know absolute isolation (laughs) and you don't need any plants like (laughs) like you'll run out of you'll run out of self-justification real fucking quick Wow, six days? Yeah. Jesus. We have we have some friends that have that done do that. that. Yeah, we have never done it ourselves no. yet, but that's wow. I think they didn't do six though. That's no. powerful. It was it was incredibly powerful. How many days did it take you to get a hold of something? Well, the first two days I spent mostly trying to solve all my internal problems externally. Mm. I was oh. like, I'm moving. Charleston, South Carolina sounds good. It's <laughs> a nice place. Um, that's it. I'm quitting my, I'm, you know, I'm quitting finding someone to replace me in the company. I'm doing this and doing this and doing this. And then by the end of day two, I was like, actually, my life is perfect. It's exactly how I designed it. I wouldn't change a fucking thing. I just need a change, mm-hmm. Whoa. you know? And so that's when it, it shifted. It shifted around day three when I stopped looking outside to change something and realized that every you know, challenge that I was facing was all internally generated and actually my life was perfect. It's a beautiful universal concept. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You hear it in a lot of different ways, but to learn it, it takes a specific circumstance, I think. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. Like, and and to deny yourself all of the things that you take for granted. Mm -hmm. Like the first time I saw, you know, I have a documentary out on my website, aubreymarks.com. It's called Awaken the Darkness. And you'll see the moment where I saw the light again after six days of not having the faculty of sight and it was overwhelmingly emotional because i realized for my entire life i've taken my sight for granted i mean look at this beautiful place oh my god right like this we just take it for granted Mm -hmm. and then i I was laughing when i was in the dark because i started to realize how much i took for granted i remembered 
just being like a curmudgeon, just miserably complaining about it, like a, a airport layover, <laughs> right? <laughs> like an airport layover. And I'm thinking, I've got my phone, I can talk to my friends, I can watch movies, I can read books, yeah. I can go to a cafe and order whatever food I want. It's a fucking circus of pleasure. <laughs> it's a circus of, I could start a random conversation with a stranger, I whatever. And you don't have to even be anywhere. No, yeah. it's, it's like just a circus of things, of beautiful things to do. And there I am in the darkness, in the silence for five days and just laughing like, you're insane, Aubrey Marcus. Wow. You're insane. Like, how, why would you be so upset about that yeah. when it's like so much is available in yeah. those moments? That's so beautiful. It's, it's <laughs> funny. It's like you need to lose it in order to actually realize yeah. how, how special it is. You yeah, know? totally. Yeah. And, and that's something that that's part of the initiation path. Yeah. Like, what is it like? You know, what is it like? How do you know how to appreciate food? I don't know, fast. Yeah. Right. You know, how oh much God, do you, yeah. how much do you want to appreciate water? I don't know, dry fast. Yeah. You know, how much wow. do you want to appreciate sight? Remove it. Mm -hmm. You know, like all of these things mm -hmm. show you, like actually give you a glimpse of the appreciation. Mm -hmm. Wow. And um, you know, how much do you love people? Figure it out when you isolate yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. that's so many lessons come yeah. that way. That's, that's really beautiful. Wow. The disruption. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, well, thank you. Thank you so much yeah, you're for, welcome. for this wonderful conversation today. I think we're past hour and a half yeah, no, mark it's, already. But, uh, it's amazing. This yeah, has been really this wonderful. This has been really, really mm -hmm. amazing. And well, you mentioned AubreyMarcus.com, and mm -hmm. I would advise everyone to go yeah. check it out and watch the documentaries and engage with Fit for Service. Mm -hmm. If you're in the area, I think there's a few different towns that Black Swan Yoga's in. Mm -hmm. yes, I think that yeah. that's, um, that's an amazing thing. Yoga by donation, union, the, the meaning of yoga. Yeah. Super admirable. And we're yoga, yeah. huge proponents yeah. of that. Free yoga. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's been our life. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, so thank you for, mm -hmm. for, for this, mm -hmm. this connection. Yeah. It's really, really, it means a lot to us for you to put your faith in us and spend your time here. Yeah. yeah. So we're deeply grateful. Yeah. yeah. I'm deeply grateful as well. And I have to give credit to our, our boy Christian over here who arranged it. I have a lot of faith in him as a brother. And uh, honestly, didn't know too much about you guys, but I've been absolutely, absolutely delighted to get to know you and, Thank you know, you. count me as an ally on your path. Likewise, Amazing, my friend. Yes. Likewise. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. All right. It's not too hot here. It's getting there. Well, getting you guys, I don't know what you guys do to not sweat, but I certainly <laughs> am not doing that thing. So maybe more hot yoga for me. I don't know, because I'm sweating and y'all aren't. So... Good job, I guess. You can't feel my back right now. Let's be honest. It's Good just job. I think for me, it's it's years of doing yoga on like the beach in like 35, yeah, 40 degree weather. Yeah. With the camera's rolling, yeah. being like, don't grimace. <laughs> <laughs> just a little 30 more seconds. She's a prince at that, like yeah. princess yeah. at that. It's amazing, eh? Yeah. Oh my God. No, this is great. Yeah, I yeah, appreciate it. My God, it. super hot though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for watching today. We really, really, really hope you enjoyed this episode. Episode two. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Please, it would mean the world to us if you just click that subscribe button, follow us on Spotify and all the other channels. It truly does help us continue to bring you more content and help our podcast rise to the top. And stick around. We have more guests in episode three, four, five, six, seven, all the way down the line. Um, and if you loved it, please, again, 
subscribe, yeah. follow, and we'll see you on episode three. Bye. <laughs> Creating cosmos out of chaos. Conversations to uplift, ignite, and explore. A basic podcast by the makers of Boho Beautiful. Unicorns. Two. <laughs>